You're now listening to the Hudson Valley Transmitter Podcast. So Mark Gamma, actor, producer, writer. Um, anything I'm missing? <laughs> Musician. <laughs> Musician. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know you played music. Oh, God, yeah. That, that's how I got Is that my start. your first, first love? or? Um, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, first thing I did. I, I was I learned how to uh, sing when I was three. My mother bought me a record player. Really? And the record was Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. <laughs> and I learned it, memorized it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I actually was a, uh, a child performer. Uh, what kind of music did you play as a child? Oh, as a child, we did. Uh, I sang Bobby Darin songs. I don't know if you know who Bobby Darin was. Yeah, I know. Right. 1959 and 1960, I used to sing in before they were outlawed minstrel shows. Okay. And I sang on television, live TV. Um, what are minstrel shows? I'm not familiar Minstrel with that. shows are like, you know, the old time, like Al Jolson, you know, um, just variety shows. All right. Yeah. You said outlawed? Yes. Why were they outlawed? Well, because back, back then they did them in blackface, which became oh. offensive to African Americans. Right. Um, so they just stopped doing it. It was around 1961 or 62. But I was like a little kid, so it was really, to me, it was just a variety show. You had singers and dancers, and and I was a singer. I had a manager and a coach and all that. And okay. and then when I was eight years old, the Beatles came out. So that I changed your world? taught myself how to play the drums. Your parents must have loved that. Uh, nah, they were cool. My bro- <laughs> I have three brothers. One of my brothers was a drummer. My uncle was a drummer. Nice. Um, and... Uh, Back then, I taught myself by going to sleep at night with a 9-volt transistor radio under my pillow. <laughs> and in my mind, I, I taught myself to play. I really did. That's wow. how I played. That's incredible. So, yep. And did some acting as a kid. And then, you know, you grow up, you get married, you have children. Yeah. And uh, I managed to keep my hands in all the businesses and the arts my entire married life as well. So, uh, you know, you want to, you still have to make money, so... So you play drums now, currently? Yeah, I still play. Yeah. What's the name of your group? The Dr. Magneto Medicine Show. Okay, I've heard of that group, and uh, I, you know I, I was at the Sentinel, uh-huh. so I think we'd get some uh, notifications of shows that you had coming mm-hmm. up on the calendar. Where, where do you guys, do you have any shows coming up? Uh, no, not okay. right now. We just finished a, a great um, benefit concert over at Orange County Choppers in Newburgh nice. a week or so ago. But uh, yeah, the... Uh, the Dr. Magneto Medicine Show is a cool show. I have a, a son who's a really good drummer, good singer. Yeah. And that band features two drummers, so it's it's exciting for the audience. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So you segued uh, from your early influences of music to yep. more rock and roll. Oh, yeah. And then it was just kind of... Yeah, I mean, as a, as a teen and, um, you know, out of high school, I went on the road. I, I was playing, man. That's yeah. That's I got my chops. And, you know, it becomes a, a part of you. You know, um, so, I've, been, I've been married a long time, 39 years. Yeah. And I remember my wife one time asking me when I was going to stop. And I used to stop what? You know, playing. I can't. I can't Never. stop playing. No, yeah. it's part of me. You know, I used to go see Les Paul at the Iridium Jazz Club until he passed. He was 91 years old, man. And Damn. killing it. Killing it. That's yeah, cool. Playing, so it's cool. Um. Yeah, that, I guess when you have that gene, it just never goes away. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It really is. And, and my uh, son's got it, too. And yeah. you can tell. You know, so many people, you know, you have a, a child maybe that participates in something you participate in. And because it's your child, 
you know, people say, oh, it's my kid. He's great. I, my kid is really on the money. I mean, yeah. he's really, really great player. So it's very cool to have that relationship. When we perform together, it's just, uh, it's great. Very unique. And That's very, cool. I'm very lucky. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so acting too as a, as a child, mm-hmm. when did when did you realize that you had a gift for that or an interest in that? Uh, I did a play in Highland Falls. It was uh, Maurice Chevalier. Thank heavens for little girls. And I had to sing it and, and play it as a kid. So it was kind of a cute version of that. Yeah. And um, I had Poison Schumach. Oh, God. And as the piece opened. That's awful. I, I was supposed to be like a mannequin, not moving. And I was able to do it like easy, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, being an actor and a performer and a musician at all, as far as I'm concerned, it's all the same intertwined mm-hmm. um do you write original music yes yeah yeah um uh, stuff that i wrote years ago i've got a catalog with about 120 original songs tracks and um we had an original band back then called nasty habits and uh, we did a show about three years ago a reunion show and i have to tell you we did you know 90 minutes of all my music yeah and i sang up front rather than play and uh, I said to my wife, geez, I, I don't know if I can remember all the lyrics to these tunes. And the coolest thing was we, we did the show. It was packed. I couldn't believe how many people came. And to see people mouthing your lyrics. That must be a cool feeling. And it all came. It was great. It was wonderful. You know. And, and, and let's face it, if you're an artist, I don't care how old you are, you have to, you have to perform. You have yeah. to do what you do. Otherwise... You don't use it, you lose it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, remembering lyrics. Uh, do you use a similar trick for that that you do for memorizing lines? No. When I have to memorize lines, uh, at the first sitting, I usually record everything. Um, I'm an audible and visual learner. More so than a reader. Yeah. So I'll read it, but uh, you know I'm not I don't I'm not a disciplined guy as far as really sitting down and you know doing it for hours. Right. So uh, because I'm a busy person, I take that first reading of everyone's parts, and every time I'm in my car, if I know I have a, a scene or a project to do and I have a week or two to prepare, uh, that's all I listen to in the car. This way I know everything. If I know everything, I don't have to think about my own line because for me. Um, it's all about authenticity. Yeah. Uh, so to do a part as an actor, I don't really want to do the part. I don't want to have to memorize the line and make sure I get the line right. I want right. to I want to make it really feel real, really be real, not even feel real, be real. Um, so I just listen and listen and listen and listen. <laughs> Is there ever an awkward moment where maybe you're at a traffic light and you get really carried away into a part and somebody looks over? <laughs> like, no, I'm, I'm very conscious of that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, that's not happened yet. But uh, uh, I will tell you, I played a, a, I'm not Rappaport, great, great play. And I, I did that show a few times. And I played a 90-year-old man, 88-year-old man. And... I, it was great. The whole play really is this character's dialogues. And um, I'm in this heated monologue with my the girl playing my daughter. And I forgot my line. Oh, God. That must and, be you know, terrifying. And, you know, second on stage is an eternity. Yeah. And I looked at her 
and he had this accident. And he said, you thought I forgot. I didn't forget. <laughs> and it came right back to yeah. me. So it's, you, know, you have to depend, uh, trust your instincts, you know. You got to trust and, yourself. Yeah, and if something yeah. happens, you just pull through it. You don't, you yeah. don't stop. Yeah. that's kind of the, the key thing with music too you know you don't stop playing right if you, exactly. somebody fucks up you just keep going and you know something as a musician the only people that know you fucked up is you band. and your bandmates <laughs> right and the minute you go you get that look yeah if you know you're you're a filmmaker you're an actor it's yeah. that subtle movement in your face you're yeah. done so i always tell people said don't worry about it just fucking do it yeah <laughs> you know just do just do the gig man and get yeah. through it it's okay nobody knows but you right the minute you make the face you, you blew it <laughs> yeah. um did you ever take lessons acting lessons um no uh <clears throat> i went to a few classes but when I was a kid, I had a manager, and and um, and I'm talking like five, six years old. And my father brought me to New York. That's incredible. Yeah. Once a week, and uh, they actually did the thing. You know, first you walked, you walked with a book on your head, so you learned how to, you know, like proper, yeah, yeah, like yep. etiquette and shit. Yep. Yeah. And um, and then the next room with your piano, and that you worked on your music, your scale, uh, and then a little bit of dialogue. So it's it just became just you were storytellers just intuition yeah remember remember the story and tell the story yeah so no um, any other thing I realized on all the films I've ever worked on um, I'll meet young people who just got out of college and college is a great thing yeah uh, and you know, did their whole four years of acting and and studied under all these great people but once you get in the field. And it doesn't it's a whole, even it's a whole other ball game. Ball game You're right. right starting at the bottom again. So, uh, and, and all that education is important, but I think you can learn that. You can learn all that stuff just by being on the sets. You know, um, I was away from acting for a very long time. Came back in my mid to late forties, and the first thing I did was I well, first I'm going to audition for a play to make sure I can still do it. Right. Have chops. Yeah. The worst thing is to not be good but think you're good yeah oh man that's a killer so you know i auditioned for this uh this play you can't take it with you got a gig on the play and the play was great was able to do it no problem and then i went to uh, actually came to wappingers to the county players yeah to can to know prove to myself that yeah i still have the chops to be in musical theater and there was an audition for the secret garden okay uh, yeah you're gonna love this as an actor right I've never gone to a musical audition before. And that's a beautiful theater. It's the closest thing to Broadway in this area you can, you can go to. Yeah. Really great people, and great mm -hmm. production, great stage. And I go in and the piano player's wearing a bow tie and everybody had show music. They had all the sheet music. I can't read music. Right. Never could read music. Yep. And I sat and I you know, signed my name to audition and waited and I watched all these folks going up and I'm thinking... I can't do this. I don't know any show songs. This is an absolute true story. I started to leave. And there was an older gentleman standing there, and he says, uh, well, did you, aren't you going to audition? Where are you going? I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm going. He goes, well, why? I said, well, I don't have any show music. And I don't do show music. He goes, oh, well, can you sing? I said, yeah, I can sing. <laughs> and he said, well, stay. So I stayed. 
when it came time to go up, I went to the piano player. I said, you know James Brown, I feel good. <laughs> Honestly. And he just looked at me, and I yeah. did like the Da-na-na-na-na. first. And I went up on stage, and I sang it. Killed it. And they loved it. And I got a part. I got this, you know, I played this guy. It was cool, and that worked. So I said, okay. So I know I'm all right. Now it's just a little hard work, and do it. Is uh, are you into musicals in terms of because that kind of is a combination of acting and music? But yeah, it's, it is. It is. Uh, do you? It must be a different approach that you. Bring oh no, to I that. love it. Yeah. Jersey Boys. Um, my wife and I try to go into the city to see a good show every uh, every time opportunity we get. Uh, yeah, I do for certain certain musicals. Yeah. Um, uh, Rock of Ages, great. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar, I would love to to be a part of something like that. I don't know if you ever saw the. I haven't. Oh, I haven't seen. You got to watch it. Yeah. Or Ted Neely. Oh my God, what a what a singer! Just great, great. So yeah, I guess certain things, certain uh, musical theater. If it was if it was the right one, yeah, yeah. How much of acting is um, intuition and sort of uh, just in you uh naturally and how much of it can be taught oh boy that's a tough question so um i i think when you've got it that's got to be 50 percent of the of the game yeah can you be taught it you could be taught probably 40 percent right but there's a 10 percent there just has to be a natural, a natural gut. yes, yeah. And I don't mean, and not a cockiness, Genuine. but you know, uh, I'm yeah, hell yeah, yeah. And you know what? If it doesn't work, you know, I, I teach acting to little kids. That's yeah. where I was today, every Saturday at the Newburgh Unity Center. Mm-hmm. And I tell the kids, "What are you worried about? Just do it." Because everybody gets up, everyone's afraid. You have to have the guts to put yourself out there. And what I tell everyone is. You know, a lot of people will make fun of you, or will ridicule you, or try to keep you down. Sure. That's just human nature, brother. Right. And it's always going to be like that. So you have to understand that you can do anything you want to do. And the fact that you get up on the stage, that's half the battle. Yeah. Because whoever would have criticized you or bust your chops in that audience, they see you on that stage and they go, wow. You're up there. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage. A lot of courage yeah. to get up there. And then in today's today's kids, I guess, wouldn't get up. You know, I, as a young man growing up, if you've ever gotten in a fist fight with someone, you don't want to fight. You're nervous. Right. You know, before every performance, any I'm always nervous. A good nervous. Have the, the butterflies yeah, or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, that gets your yeah. adrenaline pumped. But I tell everyone, it's like if you've ever been in a fight, you're nervous. You don't want to fight, but right. that first uh, blow is struck. Yeah, all bets are off, and then you you know you go. That that's the only way I can explain it. Uh, even playing in a band, yeah, you know, to this day I get a little bit nervous. But once we start, you get caught. You get into and it. You're, and you're doing it. Yeah, you know, you're doing. You close your eyes and you go. Yeah, some of that. I played in a band for years too. I mean, some of it is um, you're just kind of on autopilot. You right. know, you have right. to be because you, you can't focus on every kind of single note. Kind of like if you think about it too much, you'll fuck up. You know what I mean? You got to <laughs> okay. kind of trust yourself, like you said before, and just let it flow yes. through you. I'm a singing drummer. Yeah. And, oh, wow. and, and, I, and I sing and do some syncopated things. And I, I will tell you, there's been a couple instances where I did exactly that. I did something 
and you know you're going through it and you're singing and I thought wow that was great and then I thought about what I did and it, you just mentally start to trip and fall yeah. and it, it falters and it's terrible so right. you can't think about it the chain reaction yeah because you're thinking yeah overthink it yeah you know even with acting some people just overthink it you know uh, there's guys you'll see oh, I didn't get that quite right I missed this word Right. Any filmmaker I know was more interested in the performance, the feeling, and, and that, you know, we got it. You know, it was uh, genuine um, rather than getting every single thing exactly the way it written. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a different uh, mindset, performing for a camera as opposed to performing for a, a room full of people in a theater? Yes. Um, yes, because... Performing, let's say, in film, you want to have some freedom, but you have to please the writer of that film, the director of the film, that filmmaker. And so, as a musician, it's a lot easier to take liberties. And you already know what's going to happen. Yeah. Because you're in control. Um, but as an actor, you want to make sure that you're okay. So, you know, usually you have some kind of a good relationship with the filmmaker. And they'll tell you, yeah, take some liberties with this and that. and Or you try it and say, is that okay? Right. And once that's okay, it's better for the actor. It's better for the filmmaker because now it's gonna, you're going to get the most out of that actor. He's not afraid to, to waver or deviate from, you know. And that kind of carries over to uh, stage acting as well? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And with stage acting, it's so unique because you're really, you're in Im immediately getting a genuine response from the audience whether it's good or bad, it is a response and you'll react to that and you'll... Kind of feed off that mm -hmm. energy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, can you tell the listeners about some of the, the roles that you've appeared in? I know uh, the, the app, mm -hmm. um, America, America, and The Return, or, or just Return. Right. Yeah, Return. That was filmed in Newburgh and New Windsor. Yeah, all those films were pretty much local. Yeah. I didn't have any major parts in those films. They were, you know, nice little parts, but... What well, um, what happens? I've been in the business so long, and I, I'm a second generation Newburgh person. I mm -hmm. love Newburgh, and always try to entice filmmakers to come to Newburgh to film. Uh, they call me to uh, possibly to do you know location work for them, right? Uh, casting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get a part. I mean, if it, if there's something there for you and it works, it's great. But mostly to bring it into the municipality. Um, Are you seeing that happening more and more mm -hmm. with the tax breaks, incentives? Uh, I know that they filmed, uh, there was the Beacon Natural Market. They uh, had a, a film, they shut it down recently for filming. Also on Broadway, there, mm -hmm. there was um, filming well, something recently outside of Carpellis. Uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. That's, uh, that's a great series. That's called Big Dogs. Okay. Uh, they've been all over the place. Newburgh, Beacon in manhattan up north mm -hmm. uh what a wonderful production team those folks are i got i was very fortunate to meet them um they have a, a great setup at umbra in newburgh yeah soundstage in newburgh mm -hmm. um that's ted doring that that you know had the courage to build that yeah that's going to be a big show i think yeah they worked for a long time and i and from what i understand they're picked up and they're going to be doing it again um, but some of my other films, America, America, it's a great seven-minute piece with no dialogue. 
And you play in that a uh, homeless person, a homeless person, and you're kind of walking the streets and kind of recollecting on your past and sort of how you got to your present situation. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. It um, the idea of the, of the film is um, the economic collapse, how quickly it can happen to sure. each individual. So in that particular piece, without dialogue, which is a difficult thing to do. It's all uh, facial. Yeah, it's all you expressions. Gotta tell the story with yeah, you got to tell the story with the pictures and the expressions. Mm-hmm. And so here's a guy. The idea of that film was that guy was a, a very wealthy guy, and the stock market crashed, and then he becomes homeless, and he's, you know, selling bottles and cans. And um, another, another film is called Newburgh the Sixth Borough. Yes, I saw that uh, on your demo reel. <laughs> And so for that, that was a fantastic performance. It seemed like you were channeling some kind of inner Joe Pesci or something. (laughs) Gangster, like, don't fuck with me. Well, yeah, that's, you know, uh, Newburgh was a a very tough blue-collar city. Yeah. Uh, And again, it's, you know, it it used to be called Little Manhattan back in the day. Right. And uh, I have a certain passion for it. And guys like that character ran that city. They, They really made that city. Uh, so now when I see what my city has become, it's upsetting. So that story is really, and most of that is true, all true stuff. Um, wow. So yeah, I, you only saw the clip, right? I only saw the clip, but I'd like to see more, definitely. Yeah. Is there a place where people could check out more uh, of that? I, I think on YouTube, I've got bits and pieces of it, uh, and I'm pitching it right now to try to get it. Great. You know, made into uh, either a film uh, or, or a series. Um, some pretty good ideas of it. And yes, my little Joe Pesci guy, uh, my mob guy, is because everybody loves the mob, uh, especially if it's done well. Right. <laughs> so, it was very authentic performance. <laughs> thank you. The Homeless Man, I'll tell you an interesting story about that. We filmed that at the crack of dawn right down by the Newburgh Library. The old city club is that building that our character uh, plays around. Okay. And I was concerned about authenticity. Right. And I'm not a guy with a lot of facial hair, so it took me a month to get to look, you know. And uh, we went to shoot. It was cameraman, director, myself. Yeah. That's it. And uh, we were doing the bit. If you watch it, he wakes up and... He goes to what is his bathroom, which is really the corner of the of the building. And um, anyway, characters walking down, and I did it and did it. And I was and I asked him, I said, "Does it look? Do I look, look like real? the real deal?" And I'm telling you, I'm doing the bit, and I hear a car come to a screeching halt, and a woman screaming at my director, <laughs> "What's wrong with you guys?" I'm calling the cop. You'll be ashamed of yourself. Look at that poor <laughs> uh, fucking. She yeah. goes on, and, and he's screaming. He said, "Ma'am, it's yeah. an actor. Bullshit." She, yeah. And I and I never broke they the character. That they were harassing you or trying no, to hurt them. Yeah. The, no. The uh, the that, woman thought that the producer and everyone were taking advantage of taking me. advantage of you. Yeah. Filming me. And she says he's an actor. No oh, bullshit. He ain't an actor. <laughs> And, uh, and, and she I, offered I, you a dollar. <laughs> no, no. She took off, going to call the police, and I continued, and I did the whole bit right to the end. And I turned to him and I said, I guess, I guess, it's, I guess pretty it's pretty real. authentic. 
<laughs> but that is, though, sort of um, a fear that most people have, right? That their life could change at any second. And especially with the recession and everything, you mm-hmm. know, like you're talking about that. Uh, and that's kind of the catalyst and that sparks a fire under everyone's ass to get up out of bed every day to go to work. You know, that, that's right. you know, one day that that could be a reality if you don't work hard and get your shit together. And, you know, yeah. it's scary. It's a scary thing. It's a very scary thing. And, and young people, I, I feel for because... One catastrophic illness or accident with no right. insurance, yeah, you're done. You're done. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Our entire society. Well, it's definitely for young people, too. You got out of college and you're burdened with a lot of debt. Correct. Um, and then yeah. you have maybe a car and an apartment and credit cards and whatever else. Yep. And uh, it's hard to, to get ahead when you, when you start off, you know, deep, deep in the hole financially. Yeah, you're um, absolutely right. But uh, it's it's a, it's a definitely a, a strong and powerful premise for mm-hmm. for a movie. Someone who was on the top and had it all, and then kind of tumbled down to um, you know probably his biggest fear of, yeah. <laughs> of yeah. losing and losing everything. That's right. I mean, the one, one scene I wanted to do, I, I just didn't have the funds. I couldn't afford to do it. I wanted to get a shot, a limo, with like four you know uh, seductive women. And this guy in a tux, the same character, yeah. cleaned up in a tux, drinking champagne, and at, and stopped the car, put the window down. He looks at him. He looks back at him. It would have been really cool. To but, see himself in a different kind of tier or whatever. In or real whatever. time. Yeah. Because, sort of like yeah. a different dimension almost. Yeah. But that would have been like a $2,000 bit to do. Yeah. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. It could, it could be pricey. Yes. I even learned with the project that you and I collaborated on, If mm-hmm. It Bleeds, It Leads, uh, the trailer. Yep. Uh, yeah, you could easily spend a lot of money. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want it to look as good as possible, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you wrote America, America. Yep. And so what's your process? Like, do you enjoy writing? Too? I love writing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And when you're writing something like that, do you have the character in your head? You know, you're writing for the character specifically? Mm-hmm. Everything's for the character. Do you, do you plan that all out beforehand? Do you do like a bio of the character or something? Or you just kind of roll with it and kind of hear the voice as you go? How exactly. Yeah, um, uh, with that character, you know, um, I think about it. You close your eyes. You think about it. What would happen if I lost everything? I mean everything. Everything, everything, everything. What would I do? How would you How would you do it? And yes, a certain amount of preparation. Um Go to New York for auditions a lot, and uh, you just look. You can yeah. see the guy. So I see the way they move. I see the way they they are, and uh, emulate them. Yeah, there that that amount you have to do. But once you get into that skin, and you let your intuition take over. Uh, the return, just to go or return. I keep saying no return, but just to go back to that for a quick second, because. Mm-hmm. I um, was the editor of the the Sentinel right. for for a few years, and while I was there, I think they filmed a scene on that same street. I'm not sure if you were there that day, um, but it involved hazmat suits. Is yes, that, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, we we just saw some commotion, like oh, what's going on? I took a walk down there, and they were filming. I believe it was that film. <clears throat> yeah, and Return um, uh, did a lot around here. They also, <clears throat> excuse me. They did something in a log cabin out on, um, geez, on the way to the uh, commons. What road is that? <clears throat> 32, I think. 32. 
Yeah, so they did quite a bit. I don't know exactly what they did on that scene, but mostly what we did was uh, Motorcyclopedia. That's where we set their scene up. Um, and this is all because of the tax credits, which, you, you know. Right. But the return was, uh, they're great people, did a wonderful job. That was one of the first things to come to Newburgh. And it's definitely increasing. You're seeing mm-hmm. more and more. Absolutely. We're at 40% now. 40% of? A tax break. Tax break. Yeah. We, wow. That's huge. That's, yeah. That's giant. huge. Yeah. Um, you know, you know about the uh, Columbus Circle thing, right? The radius for SAG. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. The reason we're not killing it with all the movies is yeah. because there is a, um, there's a circle. Oh, God, what do they call it? <clears throat> Um, it's a radius outside of Columbus Circle. Once you go past that mark, which we're about, I think, 12 miles north of, you now have to pay cameraman per diem plus what he would get. So the cost becomes so much, it doesn't pay for them to come here. Uh, and that law was in, I think, it was created in the 1919 or 1920. So you're talking, I'm sorry, you're talking about Columbus Circle in the city? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's a radius all the way out to the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you go outside that radius for all the union people, it becomes cost prohibitive for to, them to come uh, here. So they kind of restricted so all the filming would have to be in right. Westchester in the city. Right, exactly. Yeah. But that's changing. So now to make us a little more competitive, we have a 40% tax break, uh, which is higher than what it would be in the city. So maybe that offsets some of that cost. So are you seeing that as sort of a, um, or, or do you forecast that the Hudson Valley will be sort of like a satellite location for Hollywood? Yeah. Hollywood yeah. on the Hudson. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that term. Yeah. And um, I believe that we're, we're perfect alignment with Manhattan. Right. It is 2018. Yeah. Other than traffic, that should be a, a 45 to 60 minute trip. Right. I often wondered why we aren't using the Hudson River for that. Right. Beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Landscape. I mean, really beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. I went on the road as a young man and never appreciated the beauty of the Hudson Valley till I came back. On the road touring yes, with the band. Yes, I, uh, all up and down the East Coast. And uh, spent many nights in, in, you know, shitty hotels. <laughs> uh, but again, got my chops and learned about people. And yeah. as an actor, oh, it was huge. It was tremendous education. Every time you meet someone new, you gather a little bit of what they have and you retain it somewhere. Right. You know, it's just like when you ask an actor to cry on cue. You, gotta, you have to dredge something up from your past that will make that happen. You know, we only use a tenth of our of our brain. Right. So, um, but I learned so much. So, so when I did come back, it was just like, oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I used to love playing down at the uh, at Billy Joe's Ribworks. I've been playing there like on Saturday afternoon with yeah. the band or a duo or whatever. And there's nothing cooler than thinking, how cool is this? I'm getting paid a little bit of money. Yeah. I'm having a nice drink and yeah. I'm playing, and I got a million dollar view. That's really cool. Uh, going on, the, how old were you when you were touring like that? 18. 
So you must have learned a lot about the world. Oh, <laughs> and boy. I mean, that was like uh, oh, yeah. a crash course in... <laughs> yeah. We got some... We could write a book. Yeah. Nothing really bad. I'm here. I, I, I survived. Made it <laughs> yeah. But a lot of partying and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But, I mean, let's face it. Everybody does something. Right. Um, but I always tell my son, it's a game. This is a big game. It really a game. Right. You have to play the game. You can never, ever live the game. Right. Because when you live the game, you're going to die. Uh, you know, so it is a game. You know, people in our business think we do all these things. And in most cases, we don't. But people think. And the st- uh, Are you talking about the stereotypical rock star? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have friends that are dead. They died. Yeah. Early 80s. And right. Did things that I wouldn't even think about doing. Sure. I have part. We had a good time. Yeah. I wasn't a Boy Scout. Right. Uh, but then, you know, and the older you get, the wiser you get. Uh, you know, drinking becomes old after a while. Sure. And for me as a drummer, to, if I, I couldn't drink a lot because then you get sloppy, you get, you know, plus you're singing and playing. Yeah. And, but, uh, when I played bass, um, I, and we had shows, I would have, uh, my cap was two drinks before we yeah. played because there was definitely plenty of times where we would record ourselves and you think you sound fantastic and yeah. then when you listen back you're like god i sound like shit that's right no so, you're right yeah. yeah yeah but um yeah alcohol could really <laughs> yeah it could get, get teary up. up and then once you be you get used to it then then it becomes a it's not a good thing sure and your liver goes bad you know as an actor or musician or anything in the arts i, I firmly believe you have to take care of yourself absolutely um However, whatever you have to do, and I don't mean joining a gym and, you know, necessarily, but you have to, you have to keep yourself good. But as, um, that must be an incredible workout to play, what do you guys play, an hour set where you're playing drums and singing? Mm -hmm. 90 minutes set usually. Oh, so an hour and a half. Or, yeah, yeah, an hour and a half. Yeah, an hour and a half. That's a long set to be playing drums and singing. Oh, no, it's really easy. No, it is. (laughs) Really? The hardest part of, of playing now at this point in my life is... Loading up the gear, yeah. unloading the gear, setting everything up, and you're not you're not drenched in sweat after that set. Mm-mm. Wow, no. <laughs> you must be in good shape. No, no I'm, I'm I'm no. I, I mean, I'm all right, but yeah. I can be in better shape. But um, you know, so many musicians, your bass player, have to play like this. That's not how you play. It's, yeah, you know, you don't have to. When you do all that stuff, that's when you get sweaty and nasty. Right, right. Plus, you want to look good, man. Right. <laughs> you, know, you don't want right. to look bad. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Um, so you're talking about some of the tax breaks in Newburgh mm-hmm. for filming. Do you think that will lead to part of its renaissance and some possibly economic, uh, you know, up climb? Uh, yeah, yes. in the city. Yes, I do. Um, but again, when you're dealing with the municipality, you're dealing with the city council. Right. Um, you can't run for city council or mayor unless you reside in the city. Right. Now, I'm a property owner in the city, but because I don't reside there, I can't run for any of those offices. Right. And um, and and not just Newburgh, but. And I think it's the same for. I know they had that for like the police chief. Yes. And they try to make a. Many Which of those is kind of silly uh, to do that. Yeah. I mean, you're going to make somebody totally relocate for what to come to a city that's you know. On a scale of one to ten is like a, a three. Yeah. You know, um, but there are so many in Newburgh, 
I have to use it as an example, over 700 vacant buildings in Newburgh. I know. It's disgusting. Yeah. And beautiful some of them structures. are beautiful, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, but the minute a roof goes on a structure, you might as well pack it in. Yeah. You know, you're done. Um, I had suggested to the city council years ago, years ago, you have entire city blocks. Give them to a production company. Just give them to them. Yeah. They're not going to put them on the tax rolls. And, right. Well, yeah. A certain, well, it, it, they'll be on a tax roll, but, but if they don't decrease. develop, in other words, if you gave it to a production company, let us say a row of 10 shells, they're going to be sets. So it's not like you're going to have living conditions, you right. know? Uh, so it would have to be some kind of adjusted payment in lieu of taxes, okay. a form of taxes. But it's not even that. You sell an entire block to a big production company, what are they going to do? They're going to use it. Right. They're going to come in every day with two to 300 people. That are need to eat. Eat in our restaurants. Drink and right. live and all that right. stuff. Right. Exactly. And now if you've got a long-running show that owns that production company, how many people are going to want to move here? So now if you have wealthy, uh, influential people that, oh, wow, look at this. They discovered right. Newburgh or the Hudson Valley. Um, it becomes again a domino effect. So, it's... I think that's a fantastic idea. I was always uh, again when I worked at the paper, we'd have to do editorials, and I, you know, everyone has their idea what can make Newburgh a better place. And um, I was thinking like Nashville, like music, like mm-hmm. some kind of not a gimmick, but like it's known for something, right? So, and there, like I know Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz used to play at the Ritz and yes. stuff like that. You know, like taking the city. Um, where like maybe you'd give tax incentives for people that wanted to open music establishments or something, yes. but it's a similar thing that you're saying with film. I think it's a great idea. I oh. mean, it, it would generate so much money into the economy, and uh, there'd be so many creative people that would move to the area. That's right. And um, it, I think absolutely, like you were saying, the city, it, in terms of its um, structures and buildings, has so uh, such an, an asset in those buildings, which are beautiful. Yep. And uh, with a little like TLC, could really be turned around. Yeah, and you have to have vision. You have to have vision, right. and you have to have some. You have to have some balls. You gotta, right. you know, throw it out there. Yeah. Um, can you imagine where that museum is? If that was all venues of music and and theater and and restaurants, and they could walk down to the river, and not worry about. You're you talking know, about Carpellas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From there down, right. Liberty Street is beautiful. Liberty Street is coming back. Yeah, and but, you have the college, right? Um, where we, you know, had the little table read at Two Alice's. That yes. place looks great. Yes, and um, I, you know, uh, there's some. I think that all that stuff needs to happen. I look around Beacon, and you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, we hope what happened in Beacon doesn't happen to Newburgh the same way, mm-hmm. where they feel like maybe it's too much, too fast. They maybe uh, force some people out." Um, because the prices went up too high. I'm sure they did. Um, you know, and they obviously want some kind of economic, um, you know, sort of and creative Benefit. renaissance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, are, do you think something like, because Newburgh needs to take on its own image. It can't be a microcosm of, or, or not a microcosm, but a copy what, you know, Beacon did, because it's not right. going to work. It's a different different area. Well, you have the train. Right. You guys have the train here. That's huge. I even see near the train station, it looks like they're building condos like this. They are. That's smart. Yeah. Really smart. So I think what's happened in Beacon, you're exactly right. It is going to outprice the natives. Sure. 
Newburgh has that waterfront. Right. And Newburgh is bigger this way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I ate at Brothers uh, with my brother and another couple friends the other night. Mm-hmm. And said, wow, this from the minute you get on Main Street, it's about a mile in, isn't it? Approximately, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's it's like going down to Soho or, you know, uh, like a little Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, a little Brooklyn, like the old days, lighting, everything. It's beautiful. But you can tell this is going to be money, a lot of money. Yeah. Newburgh has so much more room. I think Newburgh is almost five square miles. It's, it's a lot bigger. of space. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Newburgh is more affordable. But you'd have to buy up entire city blocks. Mm-hmm. It's the only way you can do it. I owned three properties where the Newburgh Actors Studio was. The reason I would never buy downtown was I had friends buy a three-family apartment house that's empty. Their plumbers would go and load in all of their copper piping. And then someone would swipe it. The next morning, yeah. everything was gone. Are you kidding me? I got to sit out there on a newsie to protect what I got? Yeah. I just wouldn't do it. That's the thing. Uh, like, no one will go there for day trips or right. to open a business or to live unless they feel safe. Correct. And um, I think that's, yeah, when they when they cut the budget, the last thing that should go are the police and the firefighters. Yep. Um, and the problem is there's only 33% of the population paying paying the bill. A lot of renters, right? Well, yeah. the, even renters are okay. I mean, I, I had if you're a landlord, you're still paying taxes. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking if you have seven or 800 vacant homes, mm-hmm. what's your occupied space? How many people pay taxes mm-hmm. in the population? 34%? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nobody's The city owns all the rest. So you, you're not making enough to maintain the roads for your fire department, for the police department. Right. So it becomes a vicious cycle that there's no recourse. You have no way to come out of it because you, you can't afford the police, you can't afford yeah. the firemen, so now people don't feel safe, they're not going to come. Right, domino effect. Yeah, and the more and, the more, and more people, the, the whole attitude of I'm entitled to, it makes me sick, man. I mean, I've yeah. I've been working three jobs my whole life to be an artist and to maintain a, a def- decent lifestyle and have what my family would need. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To think that I got to sit back and, well, you got to give me this and give me that and give me this and give me that. Don't get me going. <laughs> so uh, you grew up you grew up in Newburgh. Yes. Have you seen it? Have you seen a change since? Oh God, were... yeah. Right down. Right done. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to sing at the Ritz Theater. Yeah. That was a real theater before they changed it and turned it into an X-rated movie theater where they chopped it up into three sections. Did they? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a, be- a beautiful theater. Yeah, Frank is. Sinatra sang there. Yeah. Tony Bennett sang. All the big acts would come to Newburgh on a Wednesday or Thursday night and do a dry run show. Exactly. That was our test run for Manhattan. Yes, yeah. and then into Manhattan. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, there was a man by the name of Sam Levinson who owned a lot of real estate in Newburgh. No one's going to know that name unless you've got listeners that are 70 plus. Frank Sinatra did the movie called From Here to Eternity. Okay, I've okay. heard of it. Okay. When he performed at the Ritz after that movie came out and they booed him off the stage, Newburgh people booed him off the stage. Wow. Because in the movies, he's huge, big, big person. He's a little skinny run. <laughs> he sang, did his show. At the end of the show, the story goes that Sam Levinson, who owned the building, 
put his arm around him, walked him up the street to Sai's diner, and said, kid, get out of the business. You'll never make it. <laughs> you imagine that? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, and Desi and Lucy, yes. That's where they actually came up with that whole I love Lucy routine. That's on, cool. On our stage. Yeah, there's so much history. Oh, tremendous history. So much history. Artists would f- would flock the company. Now, that theater has raised a few million dollars, and I, I don't understand. If you get up where that stage used to be, it's a block wall. Uh, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why a huge either artist or person or, or production, somebody hasn't grabbed that and attached her name to it somehow it's just i don't know well i think um there's a lot of positive stuff in store for it and maybe i'm just being optimistic but i think newberg is really i think the artists will flock back there one day absolutely i know when I you heart. asked me did i see the yeah. change yes i saw it yeah because i lived it you know yeah i believe it but i agree uh and, and i've always thought that yeah um but when you when some people in power positions make bad decisions mm. it's upsetting you know uh i i understand i i've sat in a lot of city council meetings <laughs> you're a lucky and, guy <laughs> uh, yeah some of them go for you know three four hours long and a lot of emotions flying high and um yeah it's uh, but i i hope we're right and i hope one day uh, it has the renaissance that it deserves i hope so too um, speaking of, uh, Newberg, just going on that. So I know you've produced the documentary Newberg Sting. Uh, no, I'm a line producer. Line it. producer. Yeah, I was okay. lucky enough to be a line producer. So can you tell me a little bit about that project? Yes. And how that came to be? Yes. Um, I was, uh, had my theater before we sold it, had gotten a message, uh, from a filmmaker, um, Kate and her husband, David. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get this message. Hi, my name is so-and-so. Uh, I'm doing a documentary uh, about the four guys that were going to blow the planes up in Newburgh. Right. Uh, I need your help. Which was, that was a huge national story. Uh, yeah, we won yeah. a Peabody Award for yeah. that. I mean, it's, it's great. And she says, uh, it leaves her number. So uh, I said, okay. So I, I, I look her up, I Google her. She's the real deal. Um, and uh, so I, I call her. And again, she introduces herself. It was just like the message she left. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, an award-winning documentary filmmaker, yada, yada, yada. So they kid, great. But I can't pay you. She told me that like three times. Kate Davis. Kate Davis, yeah. yes. So um, she goes, I can't pay you. I said, yeah, yeah, okay. And she said it again. I said, listen, I, it's okay. I, I don't care about getting paid. Do you want me to help you or not? Yes. So they used my theater I got them some actors to do the reenactments. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't get in certain places to film, and I have my ways of getting, getting people to let us in. So we did all that. Uh, it was not an HBO film yet. It was only her film. They finished it, went into into editing, and then maybe eight months later, I have a young actress came into my place, and we were uh, working on a play, and she said, hey, did you hear about that? documentary that got into uh, Tribeca. Uh, it's no about shit. Newberg. I said, no. What documentary? Yeah, about Newberg, about the guys who were going to blow up the planes. I said, I only know one documentary. Right. Kate Davis called me that night. 
I said, oh, you know, we got into Tribeca. We'd like you to come down for the screening, blah, 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 it's blah, fantastic. blah. fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So my editor, Keaton Weiss, very talented guy. Yes. Right? Uh, he and I went, and it was, it was tremendous. It had like a wine bar, and it was real first class. And Kate came up and whispered in my ear. She said, HBO bought it. That's fantastic. Oh, man. And still, uh, only because I helped her, didn't expect any credit. Uh, and then they gave me line producer credit. Special thanks to the Actors Studio. That's huge, man. Yeah. That's just yeah. awesome. Uh, and then, again, later, you know, six to eight months later, they won this Peabody Award. Yeah. So, um, and that was a fantastic documentary. 70% of that film is actual FBI footage. So what do you, what's the process for that? Do you have to, uh, like, FOIL request that information? Well, Kate's husband, David, um, is an attorney. So he did all that legwork. He told me it was thousands of hours of watching footage what happens is this and i learned david explained it to me they were offered a deal these guys it was it was an absolute setup it was it was terrible if you watch the film you yeah. should watch it what the fbi did they it was all set, setting these guys up baiting them right um and they, a couple of guys were one guy was just not the sharpest yeah tool in the shed mm -hmm. And uh, they just kept doing all this stuff. Anyway, once they're offered a deal, if they don't take, the, if they take the deal, let's say they say, okay, look, we're going to give you five years and whatever, then everything would have been sealed. Plea bargain. But if they didn't take the deal and went to trial, once the trial's over, everything is available to the public. So if they take a plea bargain, all of the... Um, all the evidence is suppressed. All the evidence is... Is sealed. Is sealed, and no one can access it. Correct. Really? But the fact that they said, no, we didn't do it. Right. And went to trial. They lost anyway. But once that happens, everything has to be available. Oh, shit. And, uh, oh, my God, you if you have to see it. They had this... This uh, I don't know Pakistani or or, or some uh, ethnic guy that was, you know, setting them up and baiting them and paying yeah. them and it was it was pretty incredible film, but I learned a lot working with them, and uh, so our documentaries that, that we're working on, I never it's never scripted, I don't put words in anyone's mouth, I ask the questions, mm -hmm. and whatever they say, that's what they said. Um, do you prefer? Uh documentaries where you have that um responsibility to be accurate and unbiased um or do you as opposed to doing something that's that's fiction that's fantasy that you could take liberties with um, do you have i mean because there's more of a responsibility and, and sort of a you know um responsibility on your shoulders to to be accurate to be unbiased you're you're basically being a journalist in a sense yeah i like that because it's, you know, it, if I ask you a question, however you respond, you respond. Right. Now, if you're not factual, uh, you're not factual, right. not me. Right. I've asked the question. Right. Uh, and it's up to the viewer. You're really just saying, okay, look, here's what this guy says. What do you think? Yeah. You know? Um, so tell us, we talked a little bit uh, before we started the interview, but you are working on a pair of documentaries currently. Yeah, we finished one, which is called The Lost City Diaries. Uh, it's it's really very good documentary. It's about urban renewal. And urban renewal was a federal federally funded program mm -hmm. in the late 50s, early 60s. Uh, the idea was great. They were going to go in and take old neighborhoods that were troublesome uh, and deteriorating, 
you know, rip them all down and rebuild new communities. That was the intent. Unfortunately, people, greed, uh, uh, I want to say capitalism gets in the way. And uh, so lots of people were taken advantage of. They were buying homes way under market value, right. strip, stripping those homes of all the beautiful things that might have been inside of them, turn into century homes, and then never rebuilding. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. And that actually happened. And uh, So I, I, I still can't wrap my mind around that these people were able to kind of siphon uh, money and then just kind of split. Yeah. I mean, if you watch our documentary, we've got photos – Tremendous photos um, from a guy by the name of Bob Goodbread, who was who's deceased now, but what he collected all these great photos of Newburgh. And um, yeah, newspaper articles that says the demolition of these buildings has been turned over to private contractors. I mean, you know, so there was nobody watching. You know what I mean? It was pretty much like a free for all. Wow. And if they hadn't stopped it, you know, Montgomery Street in Newburgh, you mm -hmm. ever seen it? That would not have been there. That wow. was next to go. Jeez. So, uh, yeah, corrupt. It's just the way it is, man. That's that's our society, unfortunately. Uh, so when do you, are you anticipating that might that's be? Out. Well, that's not out for the public to see. We've entered it in a few film festivals. Nice. Um, the Downing Film Center yeah. actually uh, f showed it twice once uh and they were turned people away and they're not very big they only hold about 60 people that's still i mean yeah and then we showed it again in december again sold it out um but you know it gets people up and and it it, it renews a little bit of i think good anger if there's yeah. such such a thing as good anger right uh, why why did that happen right you know? So, yeah, it's been really well received. And, you know, because we're entering it in the film festivals, I have not made it available. If you go to YouTube, plug in Newburgh Actors Studio, we have a 40-minute version of that documentary listed under Newburgh Documentaries, what it says. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is actually called The Lost City Diaries. So you can watch about 40 minutes on YouTube. Uh, very good. The documentary we're working on currently is a... a about the history of music in the Hudson Valley. We've had so many talented people come out of this area. Yeah. And again, great interviews. We interviewed the owner of the Falcon in Newburgh. Yeah. Interesting fellow. Great guy. John Regan. Yeah, Remember? bass player. John Regan. We yeah. had a great interview. One of the, one of the most talented uh, musicians to ever come out of the Hudson Valley and probably uh, the, the most uh, polite. Yes professional mm -hmm. gentleman I've ever had the pleasure to know. John Regan plays in a band with my brother-in-law, Pat Gasparini. Pat, your brother-in-law? Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Four by Fate. I know Pat well. Yeah. Does Pat know that, that we work together? I don't think so, but he was on the podcast. He was uh, one of the first interviews that I did on the podcast. Pat's great guy. Another yes. great guy. Yep, yep. Yeah. Four by Fate. Yep. Yep, and Brett. And Rob Afuso. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Pat and I are friends. Girl, oh, that's friends. great. That's a small world. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that sounds exciting. Yeah. Um, and so when is when is the And you also spoke with, uh, for, I'm sorry for your Oh, Corey it. Glover. Corey Glover. From, from Living Color, who color. has a home in Newburgh. Right. Um, God, Tony DePaulo. Do you know Tony DePaulo? He's yes. a beacon. What a fabulous guitar player he is. A great guitar player. Bill Beeler. Michael Angelo, we have so many people that we've interviewed. Yeah. 
uh, and we're continuing. Uh, this will be a very interesting documentary. And basically, we just talked to these folks that have been playing in the Hudson Valley for 40 or 50 years. Um, and, you know, about how it used to be right. 40 years ago. I mean, God, I made a living locally playing in the band, as did John Regan, I'm sure. Uh, Pat as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the know, Chance, oh, um, yeah, yeah, staple for the Chance, for bands, especially Let's, let's Dance, yeah. uh, the Old Post, the Old Post North, Easy Street up in Hyde Park. Uh, yeah, it was it, it, the Hudson Valley. Uh, the general consensus is there was a certain vibe here that was no place else. Yeah, and I'm talking about Poughkeepsie, Wappingers, Newburgh, Fishkill, Middletown, that that whole area. There's some great people. Uh, do you know the actor Armand Desanti? No, no. played uh, John Gotti and played many great roles. Well, he's originally from the Hudson Valley. Okay, cool. and he's a drummer. No kidding. Yeah, he played. He was uh, starred in the Mambo Kings. Did you ever see that film? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, you're a young <laughs> <I haven't>. guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to catch that one. Yes, but uh, that sounds really cool. When is that? So the same. We're work, working on that. That's still and in progress. Gonna, yeah, we're going to continue to interview as many people as I can interview because, in the, as a filmmaker, you can appreciate it. Tough to keep people's attention. Yeah, absolutely. So, especially nowadays. Yes. Do you find uh, social media as a helpful tool? Yes. Um, it's something to, to generate interest? Because I know, yeah, some people have mixed feelings about um, the fact that there's there's so much you know, out there. But I guess if it's good, people are going to watch it, right? I mean, you know, I have Facebook pages that I've never in my life put on Facebook. You know, I got up this morning, I had two eggs and bacon and a cup of coffee, and I, I only promote right. Right, that's what I use films, promote the music. Yep. Uh, so in that respect, yes. Um, and you, I, I just from because, again, I've I want to talk a little bit about the Newberg Actors Studio. Okay. Um, when did you found the Newberg Actors Studio? Two thousand and eight on Valentine's Day, actually. Two thousand and eight. Yes. And so you, you've done numerous productions. Lots of productions. When we first opened, then. I had Keaton Weiss. Yeah. Uh, who's just he's such a talented, talented guy. He yeah. just recently moved to Beacon. I mean, great editor, great actor. Yeah. Uh, just really good. And he and I together produced uh, lots and lots of plays. 12 Angry Men, Laughter on the 23rd Floor, Bug. I mean, when we first opened, we probably did three or four a year. But what uh, happened... The, the bug the Tracy Letts? Yeah. yeah okay. Oh, yeah. With uh, actually... Um, uh, the acting coach or acting teacher over in Newburgh High, High School in Newburgh for a while. But anyway, uh, we, we, we started with four or five a year, and as the years went on, people moved. Keaton moved to Brooklyn. He was When Keaton left, which I think he might have moved in 2011, possibly, or 12, uh, it was difficult. Um, Ashley Valentine's young girl, young actor, good actor, she worked with yes. us. Yep. So uh, I always had a few people, Dave Markoff, really good lighting guy. Uh, he worked with us for a while, but he moved, now he moved back. And what happens, we, we just lost a good crew. But we did great shows there, really great. It was a great space, intimate. I had 80 seats. Wow. And it was just uh, really great to produce the shows. And, all, and every show, if you go online, almost every show we've done is 
somewhere in the records of the Times Herald record. Yeah. Because we got reviews. We would do a press show before every show. That's cool. Because I couldn't sell enough tickets. I couldn't advertise. Didn't have the money. Right. I'm a one-man show. One-man right. guy. So that's sort of... So we would invite Professor Cotter, usually, usually came for the record. <coughs> Excuse me. And we would do an entire show just for the press. You guys did a couple for us, too. Uh, yeah, we used to um, definitely, at the very least, when, at least while I was at the paper, we did uh, press releases for the shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an entertainment section. We always tried to get the word yeah, out Yeah, because the a couple times I'd have you, I'd have the record, and um, the other one, this... Uh, the Hudson uh, Times. Mid Hudson Times. Yeah. And it was great because we, always, we never had a bad review. The review would come out on Friday for the show that following weekend. Right. And the phone would ring. Great publicity. It was the only way I sold tickets. Yeah. The only way. So you had to make sure the show was good. But it was really cool. Owning that space, not paying the rent per se. I'm paying a mortgage, but I built right. two houses on top to pay the mortgage. So if I was doing a show in December, I'd start working on it in August. I'd build the set, take my time. Wow. That a was a, a beautiful, a luxury of having uh, the leisure of not being pressed. Yeah. That I'm running the space for a week. I got to build a set. I got to, you know, right. the Clock show. Right. ticking. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I sold the real estate. I couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah. My taxes were ridiculous. The, yeah. The debt was huge. And after uh, having it for 10 years, maybe 07 maybe we opened, uh, sat with my accountant and he uh, he asked me why did you build the actor's studio why I said well people it's a labor in, of love yeah people in Newburgh have never been to a real black box theater and he told you know you lose 3000 a month because you don't rent the space it's a huge space I said yeah yeah I know that but I like it I just like it and this was after 10 years he goes okay just so you know 10 years 3000 a month $360,000. Yeah. And my wife kind of looked at me. <laughs> yeah. And I reluctantly put all the properties up for sale. But somebody bought that property, and I had a four-family right next to it, and that was our parking lot. So uh, now I am looking for a space. Uh, but I want to get a space that holds 400 people so we can maybe make money and have... <laughs> Entertainment. So that's good news. So there's going to be another uh, reincarnation looking. of yep. the Newburgh Actor Studio. I need a partner. I need yeah. someone that has a space. I stored everything. All my recording equipment, my lighting, staging equipment, everything is stored in the building in back of uh, the, the property we have now, which is a Guatemalan restaurant, mm-hmm. right next to where the Actor Studio yeah. was. And uh, so I'm actively looking this year. I want to find somebody. I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to worry about the heat. I don't want to worry. All I want to worry about is building the theater, producing the shows. Right, which I'm sure is enough work. Yes, it is. But I'm sure it's very satisfying. Oh, it is. And we can make money. Yeah. If we had a four or 500 seat space, we can put, you know, some big bands in. You could do art shows. You could do theater. When the um, movies come to town, they need to rent a space. We got space. You know, it's not going to be a, a big money maker, but it certainly would be great for the community and a good thing. And you're um, looking to keep it in the city or you're open to other I'm, locations? I'm open to other locations, ideally. Uh, there's some pretty powerful people in the city of Newburgh. 
and I'm kind of banking on benevolence. Benevolence is a great thing. <laughs> benevolence makes you feel good. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, believe me, I, um, I've done many shows where we didn't sell tickets, we lost money, and I was sure. okay with it. I was cool with that. Yep. As long right. as I didn't have to write a check for $1,000. Right. You know? uh, but benevolence is a good thing. Well, keep us posted. Let us know. I, mean, I will. Yeah, please. Um, you getting to know you uh, since we worked on the the trailer for my project. Uh, mm-hmm. You had mentioned that you you've done a lot of um, role like interesting thing. Did you say you worked with uh, Robin Williams? Oh yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, I got. A, I got. If you go to casting networks, you know, and, and you work. If you're not a name actor and have a great agent. Mm-hmm. It's tough to really work. Right. And the minute I got back into SAG, uh, the work really slowed down because not more, so much more work for non-union than union. But I like being in the union because when I do work, I get, I know I'm going to get paid. Right. Uh, and then, you know, you, you get what you're supposed to get, so they protect you. Right. And you don't have to fight for your checks. Or exactly. Anything, right? Exactly. All that. Yeah. Exactly. So I, uh, yes, I, I answered a thing for a body double for Robin Williams. And he was doing the movie Old Dogs with uh, John Travolta. So they get you know they give you the description, the height, and all that. And uh, so I submitted myself, and it was a Wednesday, raining like a son of a gun. And I get a call: uh, you, you submitted yourself. We are we want you to come down to a place right in Manhattan. Yeah. Now, I get in my car. Go right down. Shoot down there. Running through the rain, get to the building. Guy looks me up and down and goes, <laughs> <You'll> okay. Do. <laughs> no, he goes, I send him to so-and-so. Now the guy takes me, PA, runs me across the street in the rain again. Wow. In front of another guy. Yeah. Does the same thing. It's almost like you, <laughs> I felt like, you know, like you're a piece of meat hanging in the thing. And the guy goes, okay. All right, bring him to so-and-so. Yeah. Now they bring me to where Robin Williams and uh, John Travolta were filming a scene, and it's a woman. Unbeknownst to me, it's Robin Williams' manager. Okay. Does the same thing. Is that nerve? must have been nerve-wracking? Well, I said to her, are you going to give me this gig or not? <laughs> You're just going to have people And she looks at me. me, she said, what? I said, listen, I just drove 60, I did. I said, I drove 60 miles in the rain. Right. One guy looks at me, another guy, now I'm here. Are you going to give me this fucking gig? Just like that. And she goes, you want it? I said, yeah. She goes, you got it. <laughs> so what I, <laughs> I was his body double. Yeah. If you watch the movie, I'm driving a Volvo across the uh, Manhattan Bridge near Chinatown. Uh, first, they put us uh, uh, over in the uh, across in Fort Lee, New Jersey, uh-huh. and we're driving on the Bear Mountain Parkway, yep. right at the Parkway, Palisades Parkway. Yeah, yeah. And it was the coolest thing. I'm driving. John Travolta's body doubles here, and there's two little kids in the back. These are the f- characters. Yeah. It was precision driving. All right, do this, and then the PA is laying down in the back. Talking to a helicopter over top that's doing the Holy shot. Holy shit. It was really cool. Yeah, this is before <laughs> drones. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so we do all that. They We park at that gas station right on, on the parkway there. Take me in a bus, and we go now back into the city, and they take me over to Chinatown. So I've already done the first bit. Yeah. So now we're in front of the Manhattan Bridge, and the, the gig is you're driving up over the bridge, and a helicopter is going to come up and shoot the car. Really great stuff, shooting it from the side. Yeah. So the first AD is a woman on that movie. 
and I'm parked and I'm in the driver's seat. I got there and they never asked for my driver's license, never asked for anything. <laughs> so the woman comes running over and we put the window down. She goes, Mark, Mark. He goes, you have a driver's license, right? <laughs> and I said, no. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> right. and said, no, yeah, of course she I had did. Heart, like, a mini heart did attack. A bit. So yeah. it was really great. Uh, didn't have a lot of interaction with Robin Williams, yeah. but did the gig, went home. Well, she liked me, and he did a Law & Order. He did one episode of Law & Order, if you ever watch it. He's a mad bummer. Okay. I don't think I've caught that one. She called me. Do you want to work? Yeah. So this was really cool. Robin Williams had a permanent stand-in. Could have passed for his brother. Really? Yeah. But... Here's the here's the pecking order in our business. He was his permanent stand-in. So the bit on Law and Order required a body double stand-in to be handcuffed. And I forget what park it was. And running through traffic, because the bit was he blows up this place and he's running away from the cops handcuffed. And he runs through the park and dives into the Hudson River. That's the bit. Wow. So I said, yeah, 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 I'll work, I'll work. I was probably 55 at the time. So I get there, and they dress us up identically, spray paint my hair black. I had a little more hair, big horn rim glasses. And, you know, Video Village is here. He's next to me, and he's throwing these one-liners out. Funny as hell. Nobody even blinked. They paid him no mind. So we were next to each other, and he goes, Mark, you don't mind running for me, do you? No, 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 Mr. Williams, no problem. Because I told the director, Robin, don't run for nobody. That's <laughs> what he said. I said, yeah, no sweat. So we chatted a little bit. Is he a nice guy? Really nice guy. Yeah. Really cool guy. So now comes time to do the part. They're going to really handcuff me. And I said to the guy, first I said, isn't this stunt work? Don't don't use that word. No, right. it's not stunt work. Yeah. They want to pay me. And I said, well, how Is about... That, that's a bigger paycheck? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I said, how about we... Let me fake the, the cuffs because if something happens, I want to, okay, okay. So the director, I don't remember his name, nice guy, dark hair, big guy, comes up to me with Mark. When we say action, I want you to run like hell, run like a son of a bitch. I said, okay, okay. And then as he walked away, he goes, you can run, right? And I said, of course I can run. And you know, Mark, that happens, and the guy's walking away, and I'm, Question to myself, when's the last time I ran? Yeah, I can run. <laughs> so anyway, they do it, and I run like crazy. Yeah. It was great. They loved it. Now they're, they're liking me. I ran, oh, I bet you I ran two miles that day, oh, over and over and over again. You had to do a few takes. But what was so cool was the minute that first execution was good, it was like, yeah. Now, now you're really working with the guy. It had nothing to do with money. Yeah. Nothing. It had to do with, yeah, I'm really, really working on this film. Yeah. You know, as opposed to being uh, a background person or, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, you really are part of it. So we get all done. I get on the train. I, I always park in Manhattan. I get to Manhattan. I'm in my car. I'm excited. I'm happy. So I get home. I get out of my car. Well, I had used muscles I probably hadn't used in 20 years. I could hardly walk. Oh, yeah. My wife says, what's the matter? I'm crawling up the stairs. I said, oh, everything is great. I worked with Robin Williams today. It was awesome. You know, he was That's great. cool. 
So yeah, I, I got I got to work with him, and uh, what a shame, what a waste of talent. Yeah, he's uh, his stand up is still I bust the gut every time I watch it, but he uh, would just do so many characters. He just boom, 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 do all these different things and nothing obscene. Yeah, that's the secret. A good comedian, it doesn't have to be dirty. That's unique, and that's real talent. He was never gross. He was never, I mean, there's some guys out there that just, you know. Well, he t- definitely had some X-rated jokes and stuff. But, he uh, did. He, but, I, yeah, I don't think he, he was But he didn't, he didn't like that wasn't his, right. Yeah. That wasn't his forte. That's, yeah. you know, he didn't bank on that. To, to For a cheap laugh or something. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I think he was a genius. And you talk about, uh, like you're saying, playing drums. Like, sometimes you just have to go with the flow. Because you don't know, like you can't fo- focus on every hi hat hit or something. No, you that's know? right. When he get on stage, it just kind of seemed like he was just like, he made it on happen. Autopilot, yeah. magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he do the talk shows. I mean, let himself go, no inhibitions. That's the hard part. Um, so what would you say to somebody who is really trying to be an actor and they're doing, uh, you know, um like kind of stand-in type roles and, mm-hmm. um, you know, background characters and stuff. And, um, you know, it just seems like you got to just keep working. Yeah. You know, so what, what advice would you give to somebody who's... Work, go go to work as a background actor. Go learn how the business works. Go yeah. and, and don't go to, to be on camera. Don't go for that reason. Go to see how a film set works. Watch. I tell my little kids in acting class, why did God give us two ears and one mouth? To listen twice as much as we talk. Right. So I, I would tell them, go be a background actor if you can. If you're local and you're in school, audition for your school plays. Yeah. You know, that, that that's a big issue. I have people call me about wanting their kids to... To be actors and oh, they're so their personality, yada yada. And I'll say, well, how old are they? Thirteen. Great. What school they go to? Have you been in any plays? No. Why? Why? Right. You haven't auditioned for any plays in school, but yet you think you're going to be an actor. How do you right. do that? And I've uh, since I sold my building, I met a few kids at Barnes and Noble with the parents, and I say to them, listen, I'm not here for your money. Uh, you think your child can be an actor? And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, have you done anything? No. And I'll walk over to Barnes and Noble, grab a monologue book, which you know is nothing more than a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And I'll open it up. So read this. When I got up, there's more. It's like right, a robot. Like a robot. Yeah. Uh, listen, do yourself a favor before you pay me or you call someone else. Buy this book. Do you own a mirror? Yeah. Yeah. Get in front of the mirror. Learn to grab a line, look up, deliver the line, grab a line, deliver the line. If you still have the same passion to do this in a month, call me. I think there's a misconception um, among people that acting is very easy and actor, you know, people, uh, actors don't really work. You know, yeah. they just kind of show up and miraculously know their lines and, right. you know, are in this character and put on this, uh, you know, amazing performance. It's just like easy. Yeah. Where, like anything, it takes work. Of course you know? it does. Um, and anyone who wants to do it seriously, you have to practice and you have to work at it. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, are you still offering those workshops yeah. and stuff? Yeah. I, I really do one-on-one coaching now is best. Yeah. Because the problem with the workshop is if you have, a, um, let's say, an accomplished actor uh, and a novice 
somebody's going to lose out here, you know, a, a real actor who just wants to work on his on his stuff. Because again, if you're not working, you're not working. Yeah, um, that's one thing. They so you you get to do scenes together, and you know you're working off each other. It's like it's like going to a gym for actors, you know. Whereas a novice, a kid, I, I don't even like to do that unless they they've at least done a few things or tried a few things and have some idea of what they really want. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, it's, it's a misconception of oh my kids, my kid is so witty and so handsome and so beautiful. Right. Gonna, somebody's going to discover him. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't happen like no, that. It doesn't happen like that. No. Uh, one thing that I saw on the uh, Newberg um, Actor Studio website that I thought was really cool is that you have a database that you're uh, yes. collecting information for you know producers, directors. It seemed kind of mm -hmm. the whole I have gambit. All that. Yep. Um, it, it's a talent pool. So when the next project comes in and someone calls you up and says, Hey, do you have, you know, yes. uh, an actor or someone help with, you know, location scouting or something, yep. you'll have people on hand. That's right. Um, I worked on a, I was a location manager on a film called 12 that shot this past year. Um, Dutchess County, Orange County, about a 12 year old kid, mm -hmm. really cute movie. And we used high school kids, a lot of NFA high school kids and that's really what I use social media for. When we need to cast something, I put it out there, and oh my, it's great. You know, if somebody can get an opportunity to work, as I said, work go work as a background actor. Yeah, here's an opportunity for you. You know, and you see the way it works and build your chops a little bit. Yeah, it yeah. does, and it gets people excited. And who doesn't want to be in a movie? You know, definitely. Um, have you seen any movies lately that you thought were particularly good that you enjoyed? Yeah, uh, actually. I'm a member of SAG, so I get uh, all these films to vote on. And The Shape of Water. I heard that was really good. Really? Is that with Michael Shannon? Is he in that? Yes. Okay. Michael Shannon is in it. He was in Return. Return, right. Um, really interesting movie. Interesting. I liked it. My wife did not like it, but, you know, it's it's good for your imagination. You think about I won't talk too much about it, but watch the film. It's, uh, it's a very... Uh, moving film for me it was yeah. i have to i have to give it a shot yeah um what about actors is there any actors that come to mind as someone who you'd say their performance is genuine someone you um think really has a handle on the craft to some degree oh yeah De Niro, al pacino yeah all those guys all those guys uh, and they were were they here recently filming yeah. something i got to work i worked uh did a little bit of uh background work I just wanted to work on a film on The yeah. Irishman. Yeah. Uh, which is about Jimmy Hoffa. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's really yeah. a cool story. It was, it was it really cool. I, I, you know, you try not to work background work. You really want to work principal work. Right. So I heard about this film coming out. Actually uh, got together with their location scout back in April. We tried to get him a spot in Orange Lake, but it was a little too far. Again, that, that circle killed us. But anyway, um... After I met with him, I contacted my agent and said, geez, is there anything available? I, I want to get on this movie. This is, this is uh, you know, uh, Al Pacino, uh, De Niro, all the Pesci, Martin icons. Scorsese yeah. directing. It's a home run. I couldn't get, I couldn't get arrested on the film. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get anything. Uh, so anyway, I answered a, a call to, uh, to do background because I just wanted to be able to work on it. Yeah. So I went to work one day. I played a union official, and we shot it in the Bronx at a VFW. 
And I was really fortunate because uh, we had union officials on stage. So you have a podium in the middle and then two tables on either side, close to the edge of the stage, where there were four union, union officials on each side, and then probably 15 union officials standing in back. So they place us. Um, I'm right next to this little uh, guy and then the podium. So, you know, right there. And they gave me a haircut, and I had a suit from 1957. That's when this took place. And uh, so they sat everybody but the guy next to me, and they kept talking about Bernie. We're going to put Bernie next to Mark, Bernie, Bernie. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe Joe Pesci is Bernie. Uh, clearly, the guy at the podium is going to be either De Niro or Al Pacino. Uh -huh. Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa in this film. Okay. So in comes this guy, Bernie. And he sits down next to me. Nice guy. We're chatting. And he says, yeah, I'm Bernie. I'm, <laughs> I'm Marty's chauffeur. <laughs> and he puts me in all the movies. That's cool. And that's cool. So now I'm thinking, oh, that's great. I just wanted to say I worked on the film. That's cool. In comes Al Pacino. Place goes nuts. Yeah. He's a little guy. He's, yeah. He's not... But when he talks, you listen. <laughs> He's yeah. So it was great. Powerful it was performances. Powerful performer. Yeah. And I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking about Michael Corleone. However, that was in 1972, yeah. so yeah. he looks different. Uh, but it was great. Then we worked another scene at the end of the day that took place in the basement, and it's a nightclub scene. Uh, and Martin Scorsese got to see Martin Scorsese. So uh, it was great. It was a great experience. That's awesome. Yep. 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 It was really good to work. That's so cool. Yep. Uh, what's What's next for you? What do you? I, I know you got the documentaries. Yeah, I'm working on the documentary, and I want to. Yeah. I'm really trying to work this year. My goal is to really work as a principal, uh, and get get into something that's worthwhile. So that's what I'm hoping. And what about the music? The music we're we're playing. It's hard to find guys that want to commit and play. Yes. <coughs> uh, one of the agents I deal with. When I help book some of the bands locally, like a, a book for Billy Joe's Ribworks once in a while. Yeah. When they need my help. Uh, saw one of the, I have a film out there. It's called The Sizzler. It's uh, about our band. It shows the band with two drummers. Yeah. Live performance. Mm -hmm. So this agent's called me three times. Mark, he says, you sing and play. Uh, you know, he says, you got you to gotta do an Eagles tribute because <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought about it, but that's hard too, man. You got to get really good, good players to do that. Do you like doing covers? No. Yeah, neither I, do I. Uh, I have to. Yeah, but they cover bands make money. He whereas... told me if I did Don Henley, <laughs> he said there's Don Henley guys out there that none of them play drums. Right. I can and do both. He said I can get you ten grand a night. Damn. You imagine that. Jeez. No. I mean, to be able to do originals is great, but, you know, like I realize, too, I'm a realist. Nobody cares about your originals. If you want to play. Right. I mean, you can play once in a blue moon if you're doing your originals, and if you have any kind of a following, that's great. But uh, to do it on a regular basis, people don't care. But So, like, the Eagles, at some point, Mm -hmm. nobody probably cared about the Eagles right? at some point before they right. got a record deal. But then you have a record label. I don't know offhand which label they're signed to. 
Uh, I don't either, but it's... It, but it, they've it, dumped a boatload of money to promote them. Yeah. And when people hear the song a hundred times, then they sing along with it and then right. they love it. And I don't know why humans are that way, where they need to hear something a bunch of times for it to sink in and then they really... You know they want to go out and buy the album, but it there. I guess what I'm getting at is those record companies used to have budgets to dump behind bands, right? To get them on the radio and get them on TV and get them on magazine covers, and now because the industry has changed so much, there's not a lot of record labels that are doing that. But then you have social media and other platforms where you can get your music out there, but you're competing against millions, millions of people of other people. Yep. That are trying to do that. So I, I guess ultimately what I'm asking is, I mean, do you think that there are going to be bands? I mean, there, there are, every day there's bands that are on TV and there's new bands that are out. But like for rock and roll bands, like new rock and roll band, you know, I, I, I want to be optimistic. I Because I feel like some I've had this, I've kind of brushed on this with other people that have come on the show. And I don't want to be negative. Because, you know, I've played music too. And I know how frustrating it is when you put something out that you think is really good. And you go and do the tour and you try, really try and promote and you mail your CD out to college radio stations and right. kind of do the whole thing. But then nobody really, it doesn't, you know, catch on. There's um, too many choices. Yeah. I mean, do you think that um, are, are just the days of the, the, that uh, rock star of that status, are they kind of over? Uh, I don't think they're over. I think one has to reinvent themselves, and I I really believe it's a roller coaster. What what becomes passe will again become popular. Uh, so you have to just survive long enough to get to the top of that again. Yeah. Um, also, the difference now is, yes, back in the day, hundreds of thousands of dollars would be spent on promotion. I mean, God, the old. Uh, adage in Hollywood was if you spent a million dollars on a movie, you have to spend five million promoting it. Right. Otherwise, nobody knows about right. it. Right. Yeah, it's a huge part of it. So you have to create this whole, this whole. You have to create your own excitement. Uh, and and social media, the way it is, you can do that. Yeah. If you have something unique enough on YouTube, if you get enough hits on YouTube, you get noticed. Right. You could be a viral star on YouTube. Yes. And, having... and I think there's companies out there, record companies, that do nothing but surf. Right. They pay YouTube. attention to that. Yes, they do. Yeah. How many views? How many views? I mean, our documentary, our 40 minute version, has almost 13,000 views. That's great. That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, for, and it, all it says is Newberg documentary. Right. Um, I don't. So you haven't seen it probably. You'll go to YouTube, plug in Newberg Actor Studio, you'll see a woman with a striped shirt. That's it. Okay. As far as you know, that goes. So, again, there's a, I'm, I'm, I would love to sell that. Newberg to Six Borough is a great story. Uh, I've got some influential friends that say, my God, this is a great story. It needs to be told. Well, good. Who do you know with a, a million dollars that'll put it up and we'll do it? Yeah. You know, I've uh, self-promoted my entire life. Still self-promoting. Yeah. And, and and even if you had a zillion dollars, it wouldn't matter. If it's not a good product, it won't work. Sure. So it's got to be a good product. You have to have the right push, and the timing's got to be right. Right. There's so many things. All those ingredients. Yeah. Got to yeah. come together. Yep. Well, I think that's a positive way to end it. Yep. Um, yeah, you could do it. You could do it. You just got to keep going. That's keep right. building on it. That's right. Make it happen. Yep. Is there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask you? No, no. I think this covered it. Pretty extensive uh, <laughs> interview. Um, cool. Yeah. All right.
All right. Mark Gamma, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks okay. for having me. Peace out, Transmodians.